What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day, and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The maniac COVID crazies now want amnesty and forgiveness for what they did to you. Ted Cruz is calling out Donald Trump for not spending enough money to help Republicans and a rapper has been shot and killed at 28, a very popular Grammy-nominated group. I will break all of that down. This is Can't Cancel Rob Smith. Okay, problematic. So look, this is what's going on. The left is about to lose power. These people are about to lose power for a very long time. And now they're starting to want to play nice. Now there is this article that came out in the Atlantic that is getting a lot of attention right now on social media. It basically says, let's declare a pandemic amnesty. It's a writer. She says, we need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID. And so let me just say to this writer, let's declare pandemic amnesty. Absolutely not. Never, ever, ever forgive these people for how they treated you, for what they said about you, for how they made you feel for questioning the narrative. I am very, very angry about this, and I'm upset about this. So let's go back to the summer of 2020 for one moment. Let's go back to where we mentally were at this point in time. Our cities all across the country were burning because of a movement that we now know was an absolute lie. Of course, I'm talking about BLM. These people, the Democrats and the left, 
unleashed so much chaos, so much nonsense, because these people wanted to get their political power back. And I'm not even going to talk about the BLM riots. I'm not even going to talk about uh, the stuff that they were saying about you need to get up in these people's faces. You need to make them feel uncomfortable. Let's not even talk about that. Let's talk about all the lives that were ruined because of COVID crazies. And this is what they are. They were absolute COVID crazies. They were COVID in, these were COVID crazies. These are insane people. These were the people that told you that you were a demon for wanting to go out and live your life. These are people that started social media accounts to publicly shame you and to identify you via social media if you dared to go out and live your life because they had been told to stay home, stay safe. And that they were decided, they have decided that they were going to put their lives on hold for two years because MSNBC uh, in the mainstream media and the left told them to. I remember in the winter of 2020 over New Year's Eve, I went to Puerto Vallarta with a couple of friends. My image, and you know, granted, I did not care about any of this stuff. I was not in any sort of financial insecurity or, or afraid of getting fired by anybody if I went out to live my life. I posted a photo of this on social media. That photo was then yanked, posted by a group literally called Gays Over COVID. This this Instagram page existed to shame and bully gay guys that were out there living their lives. And so put my image on that website, I get all sorts of nasty messages. I got one of the nastiest messages I'd ever received in my life from somebody that I actually knew in real life at some point in time. Some leftist idiot. I had a fraternity brother that I'd known for years um, shame me for wanting to meet up with him in Washington, D.C. while everybody was supposed to be staying home. This was the insanity that these people wrought. These people destroyed relationships. These people destroyed businesses. These people destroyed everything for some people. Writers like this idiot at The Atlantic, producers at MSNBC, people like Rachel Maddow, who told you if you get vaccinated, then that would stop the disease dead in its tracks. It was all a lie, people. It was lies and propaganda. We all know this two years later. Now that we are starting to get the information that is verified that it is most likely that COVID came from a lab, now it's starting to get reported by the mainstream media. Now they are starting to realize that putting masks on children is leading to one of the greatest pediatric health crises that we've seen in this country in a generation. Because now these kids that we put the masks on are now having problems with their speech function, they're having problems mouthing out words, they're doing all of this stuff. We know that drug overdoses increased during the lockdowns. We know that the kids that were locked out of the public school system, some very, very, very vulnerable children that were forced to stay home in, in situations where they were being abused, physically, mentally, sexually, emotionally, whatever. Now we know that that stuff happened because they shut the schools down. These people played politics and ruined the lives of millions and millions of people. And now the people that were in the position to spread this nonsense, to spread this hatred, to spread this bullying, to spread this lunacy have now decided since they have been proven wrong by the facts 
that, oh, it's okay. We just need to forgive each other for what we did. You need to forgive me for calling you a murderer for wanting to go out and live your life. You need to forgive me for putting so much pressure on everybody else, for putting so much pressure on the hospitals that we had our elderly people have to spend their last moments on this earth alone. For people who had spent their entire life savings and put it into a small business so that they could realize their dream of being an entrepreneur, of being a small business owner, have that dream shattered, ruined, and destroyed by these maniacs who wanted nothing more than political power, who wanted nothing more than to bully and shame and humiliate anyone that was questioning the propaganda that was coming from every single source in those days. Now, these people want to play nice, and now these people want to forgive. They want amnesty. They want to be forgiven for the harsh things that they said and that they did. They want to be forgiven for calling you a murderer when you wanted to live your life. They want to be forgiven for federally trying to mandate people to inject themselves with a foreign substance in order to keep their jobs, in order to keep their livelihoods, in order to go eat at a restaurant, in order to go see a movie at a movie theater, in order to play high school sports, in order to attend their public schools. This is now what they want forgiveness for. And I gotta tell you, Problematics, I don't know if you've noticed But I'm fired up about this. I'm angry about this. And I'm generally somebody that wants to see common ground. I'm generally somebody that wants to see people work together. But what I'm starting to realize more and more and more is that these people do not want to work together. These people are about to lose power. It is the only reason why they are being at all contrite about the poison that they have put out into this world for the past two and a half years, even longer, if you count the poison that they put out about anybody who deigned to support Trump or vote for him or vote for Republicans in general. So these people have pushed all of this poison out, and now they want to work together. Now they want to be forgiven. And there's going to be some people that just want to put it behind us. There are going to be some people that think that these people are to be reasoned with, that think that you can come to terms with these people. And I used to be one of those people. I started doing a lot of this stuff because I thought that I could be a bridge between the right and the left in this country. What I've realized over the past four years is that this is not the time for bridge building. This is a time for destruction. This is a time to crush these people into the ground, metaphorically, of course, and grind their bones into fine dust. This is the moment to realize that these people can never be given power again. This is the moment to realize that these people cannot be reasoned with. This is the moment to realize that there is no common ground with these maniacs because the second you give them an inch, they will take a mile. And I guarantee you, 
if it was politically expedient or successful for them to continue to push for lockdowns, for them to continue to push for school closures, for them to continue to push for child masking, for them to continue to push for mass mail-in ballots, I guarantee you, if the vast majority of the American people were not tired of it, left, right, or center, these people would still be doing this stuff because this is how they were able to achieve the most power that they had ever gotten. And the only reason that these people, whether it's writers like this idiot at The Atlantic, whether it's the regime mouthpieces like Rachel Maddow at uh, MSNBC, whether it's the leftist Democrat politicians that get power from your misery, The only reason that any of them are being at all contrite right now is because you, the voters, the American people, have rightly decided that these people's reign of power and terror needs to come to an end, and they see it coming. They see the shellacking that they're about to get on November 8th coming a mile away, and now they want to play nice problematics. I got to tell you, I am done playing nice with these people. I should never have started. Do not reach out when they extend their hands to you. These people are to be crushed. These people are to be destroyed. These people are to be robbed of any power that they have for a very, very long time. These people need to stand in the corner and think about what they've done for a very long time. And I know that this is a message that's a little bit angrier than I tend to be because I'm not an angry person, but this makes me angry. Problematics, you make whatever the decision you want to make in terms of how much you want to forgive these people, but I will never forgive those people for what they've done to me. I will never forgive them for what they've done to good, hardworking people in the service of their their agenda. And you shouldn't either. All right, coming up, folks, Ted Cruz is calling out Donald Trump for not spending enough of his $100 million super PAC war chest to help out Republicans. I'm going to break that down up next. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. All right, Problematics, this is interesting, a little wonky, but I really wanted to get into it because I thought that it was a very interesting sort of conversation about how the sausage is made when it comes to politics. So everybody all know, everybody knows that the Donald Trump super PAC, I believe it's called Save, Save America, generated um, 
a hundred million dollars. Like Donald Trump right now is sitting on one hundred million dollars to do with you know what he sees fit, as long as it's aligned with you know tech guidelines and things like that. And now he's being called out by none other than Senator Ted Cruz for not spending this money to help out candidates. Republican candidates that are in vulnerable districts, that are in vulnerable positions. And I want you to listen to what Ted Cruz had to say. This is on his podcast, Verdict with Ted Cruz. The single largest funder of Republican Senate candidates is Mitch McConnell's super PAC. Mitch puts all of his money behind moderates and incumbents, and conservatives get left alone. Conservatives get starved for resources. And Republican donors give to that super PAC knowing that that's not going to go to conservatives. And right now, I'm trying to fill that void in House races, and in House races, I'm backing conservatives because Republican leadership does the same thing. They back moderates. They don't back conservatives with anywhere near the same financial resources. And so, look, part of the reason why Arizona and New Hampshire are not getting the funding that they deserve is that both of those candidates are strongly aligned with Donald Trump, and Republican leadership doesn't like that. My view is I want to win and have a majority of strong conservatives. Um, And I think it was a mistake not to invest more vigorously in both Arizona and New Hampshire. Joe O'Day, who's running, I think is a good candidate. Um, I think Michael Bennett, the incumbent, is very vulnerable. He's done nothing in his entire time in the Senate. He uh, He is an empty suit. He is not well known in the state. Colorado has gotten bumpier because O'Day and Trump are in a pissing match. <laughs> and and it, um, you know, it makes you want to just, just jump out a window. Um, O'Day foolishly went on a Sunday show and when asked about 2024 said, no, Trump shouldn't run and I will oppose him if he does. Now, you might say, okay, if you're trying to appeal to moderate, independent, squishy in Colorado. Colorado voters, yeah. I understand why you would say that. Still a bad move. Well, and it's a bad move because if you understand the universe in which we live, Donald Trump reacts to things like that. And so Trump, I think the next day, immediately came out blasting O'Day and telling Republicans, don't vote for the guy. And you're just sitting there going, "Okay, great. So we're going to elect the Democrat who votes pretty much 100 percent of the time with Schumer and, and Biden. You know, O'Day would not be conservative in Texas. But in Colorado, it'd be a great pickup. In Colorado, I want people to vote for Joe O'Day because I want Chuck Schumer out of power. Um, I wish O'Day had had the judgment just not to poke the bear. Just don't don't piss off Trump because the races we lose are races where there's a pissing match between the Republican candidate and Trump. It's a self-inflicted wound almost every time when you look at this map at this point. And do I wish Trump would exercise the restraint not to take a bat to him? Yes. But he's not going to. I will say, by the way, I wish Trump was spending some of his money. Trump's got $100 million, and he's spending almost none of it to support these candidates. That is not ideal. When Mitch McConnell only spends for the moderates and the anti-Trump candidates— it would be nice if Trump would spend some of that hundred million dollars to help some of these candidates who Mitch is abandoning because they're pro-Trump. Those are the two pockets of money that are there. And right now, 
neither of them are spending in a number of these states. So I personally think that this is it's a very interesting conversation because it really does sort of break down how the sausage is made here and it breaks down how this system really operates. So what I think is that, and you know, guys, I don't like to spend too much time on this podcast talking about Trump. I think that there's enough conversation around Donald Trump. But I think that what people don't realize and what people don't take into consideration is the, I think, seismic shock to the system, not only to the mainstream media and all of this other stuff, but the shock to the political system that he was, is, and still remains. Because this person, the Donald Trump still holds an enormous amount of power over the party, and he holds an enormous amount of sway over a lot of these candidates. And, and it was very interesting that Ted Cruz said, and he broke down the fact that a lot of these people are losing funding from the RNC, from Mitch McConnell and, and, and all the other, you know, all the other people in the RNC. They're losing funding, particularly because they are Trump-backed candidates, because they wrap their, their arms around Trump. Uh, maybe they wrap their arms around some of the election conspiracy theories. Maybe they wrap their arms around some of the things about Donald Trump that would not appeal to moderates. But what he's telling you is that these people who are, you know, there some, some like very few of them, like Trump has backed some some crazies, right? Um, but these people are literally being starved because they have the backing of Donald Trump. And Ted Cruz makes an incredible point, and I'm actually shocked that he had the guts to get out and make that point, which was that if these people are these people are being starved of resources because they've come out for you, and you're not making the move as a leader to fill that resource gap with all of this money that you're sitting on, what is the point? And it's going to lead other candidates in the future to really wonder if it's important enough to really wrap yourself around Trump. If number one, you're not going to get the resources, you're not going to get the support. Because if you look at the candidates that Trump really does wrap himself around and, and the candidates that he, he really does support, endorse, etc. Um, these are people that have already achieved some sort of prominence before Trump came around. Of course, Trump helps and elevates. And it's always good for a candidate to be able to have a fundraiser at Mar-a-Lago. And it's always good for a candidate to be able to have, you know, Donald Trump speak at their events, etc. But he plays kingmaker for people who have already demonstrated that they're doing well in the first place. And then the ones that are more vulnerable, because they have wrapped themselves around him, he doesn't support. So it's just very interesting. And for me, when you look at Donald Trump, sort of, I, you know, some people call it a stranglehold. I do not think that there's a stranglehold. I think that if he runs again, we will see the schism. We'll see a lot of schisms in the party. There will be people who automatically come out against it. There will be people who won't say anything. And if he runs again, he's going to be up against other candidates because there's a lot of people that will run again, whether Donald Trump runs or not. There are people that will run. Pompeo's going to run. Mike Pence will run. Nikki Haley will run. There are people that are not afraid to get up on a debate stage against Trump. And if he does run again, it will be a real deciding factor in just how strong that support is. But I think that Ted Cruz is absolutely right in that if you've got people taking hits for you, 
then fill in the resource gap. You know, give some of this backing to people. You know, host a couple of fundraisers that are like, like, come down and support these people. These people are going all out for you. You could really, you know, sort of get down there and, and support them and sort of make this stuff happen. So I think that that was a very interesting point that Ted Cruz made. And it was very interesting that he was honest about some of the schisms that exist in the Republican Party, particularly with uh, Mitch McConnell wanting to support, quote unquote, safer candidates. Because I got to tell you, and this is not about what I think about the Marjorie Taylor Greens or the Madison Cawthorns or et cetera of the world, but the Mitch McConnells and the Kevin McCarthy's of the world do not want disruptors like MTG um, in the Lauren Boberts of the world and in Freedom Caucus members. They do not want that disruption in Congress. They do not want it. So this was an interesting point from Ted Cruz, and I thought it'd be interesting to uh, break this all down for you. All right, coming up. A rapper from a very popular group called Migos has been shot dead in Houston at 28 years old. It's an awful story. I'm going to break that down for you right up next. All right, Problematics, welcome back. Okay, so this is, man, I got so much to say about this story, but I'm just going to go ahead and just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it from page six for you. Have you ever, if you've heard of the group Migos, uh, Migos is a very popular rap group. Um, Quavo and Offset have been some very popular members that came from this rap group. Like they did a song called Motorsport with Cardi B, very cultural, hip hop culture, all that other stuff. So um, one of their group members, Takeoff, died, was shot and killed in Houston, Texas. Man, was 28 years old. Crazy. 28 years old. All right. The rapper was killed, this is from the New York Post, at a bowling alley around 2.30 a.m. after an altercation broke out after a dice game. The rapper takeoff was pronounced dead at the scene. 40 to 50 people were at a pool hall and bowling alley when a shooting took place. Apparently, this was a private party. Apparently, this was somebody that he got into an altercation with. Uh, there are terrible, terrible photos that TMZ got because people were snapping photos and they blurred it out. But this is basically like him with, with blood coming out of his head, shot and killed 28 years old. And what I have to say about this and now, so when this happens, right? So when a, a rapper that was shot dead at 28 years old, rapper became a multi multi-millionaire for glorifying hip hop culture, degenerate culture, shooting, killing, murdering, all of this other stuff. And it's so funny when I do these stories problematics, it's like, I, I think that it's like I, I've turned into this person that I used to roll my eyes at at 21 years old. But I think that when you've been around the block and you've seen a couple of things and you've seen how toxic some of this stuff is. And for me, it's... It's very, it, it's complicated because like I, I do listen to some rap songs. I don't listen to the hardcore violent stuff. That's not for me. But like if there's a, if there's a rap song that's popular or whatever, like I'll listen to it. And, and this is what I think before I get into the, the degeneracy and, and the destructiveness of the culture. And this is how I've always felt about rap, about hip hop, about culture, about all of this other stuff. And this is what I live, this is what I, I tell younger people in my family. This is what I would tell, you know, my kids 
when I when I get older and have kids and all that other stuff. It's like this. These people are rapping about their real lives. They really go through this stuff and they really do these things. These people rap about selling drugs. These people rap about murdering people. Uh, this is the life that they live, okay? So whether it's right or wrong, this is the life that they are living for whatever reason in this country. Now, this stuff is elevated and made popular by people who do not live the lives of these rappers, by people who do not look like these rappers, and by people who become 10 times more wealthy than any of these rappers are because they're being exploited, especially this day and age where in order to get a record deal at this in this day and age, you, you pretty much are, are signing your life away. You're signing the rights to everything that you do away. It's called a 360 deal. That's what a lot of these young rappers are signing into to get famous and to get streaming money and all of that stuff nowadays. They know. These record companies know. That if these rappers start popping, if these rappers pop off, get rich, famous, wealthy, whatever, start signing brand deals or whatever, these labels and these companies are getting a percentage of every single thing that that rapper does. Because very few of these rappers are independent. So these people that run these entertainment industries, uh, that run these companies, that run these record labels, that do not look, again, do not look like these kids that they're pulling up off the streets... Um, and paying to poison culture with tales of rapping and and shooting and and you know, you know, having sex with a lot of women, all of this different stuff, all of this stuff that has continued to degrade a certain element of African American culture. These people are getting rich off of that. For every million dollars that somebody like Takeoff from Migos makes, these executives and these labels are making. 10 20 30 million dollars oh and by the way uh this dead rapper at 28 years old his streams are going to shoot up his sales are going to go up everything is going to go up and who's going to be continue to make money off of that man's dead body the people that own these record labels and the people that own the entertainment industry and so you have to put that stuff into context and so now every time something like this happens you're going to get all these rappers, all these black celebrities, all these people that glorify this BS culture are going to, you know, oh, tear emojis, oh, gone too soon, oh, I can't believe this is happening. Oh, you cannot believe, and by the way, I'm not going to blame this, and I'm certainly not, you know, going to, you know, desecrate somebody's grave that just died, but, but, but hear me out. You're going to be sad, and you're going to mourn this person and all this other stuff, which this is whenever any 28-year-old dies, it's sad. But if you can't speak to the realities of that lifestyle and that situation that led that person to be in that situation in the first place, then it's never going to change. And I got to tell you, and I tell you guys a lot about the structures in this world, and particularly the structures in this country that want people, there are structures, structures in this country that want black culture to continue to be degenerate. They want them to continue to glorify drug use. They want them to continue to glorify shooting and killing each other. They want them to continue to do this because that is a way that you control that population. 
And on top of all that, when somebody like me stands up and says, this is wrong, this is degenerate, this is immoral, this is not good, why are we supporting this? Then I become the person, or Candace Owens becomes the person, or Ben Carson becomes the person, or Alan West becomes the person, or any prominent black conservative becomes the person that needs to be shut down because they do not want people hearing what's real about that lifestyle, what's real about the things that they're rapping about, the things that they're making millions of dollars for themselves and tens of millions of dollars for the people that own them talking about. They don't want to talk about how destructive that is to the culture. And so they'll get some of these rappers and they'll get some of these entertainers, like, for example, and, you know, and Cardi B, who raps about drugging men and who raps about being a, being a, a gang member, uh, who raps about being a, being a, a, a blood, I believe, and who raps about this stuff. And then they'll sit her down next to Bernie Sanders when Bernie Sanders is running in 2020 and use this person that has been made very wealthy promoting the degeneracy that the people that want to control this aspect of the culture, they'll sit that person down next to Bernie Sanders. They say, oh, people listen to her. you know, And so they'll use that person to promote Democrats promote Bernie Sanders, promote Joe Biden. They'll have, like I told you last week, I, maybe I didn't say this, maybe I didn't do a segment about this on the podcast, but I have tweeted about it. So you've got Stacey Abrams down in Atlanta that has this rapper Lotto has a song called the the P word, the slang word for a vagina is the clean shove. And so this rapper has Stacey Abrams come there, you know. Or so Stacey Abrams does that because she doesn't have solutions for this black community that's seeing this concert. The only thing she has is, oh, yeah, this is a hot rapper behind me. And, you know, these black people are so stupid, they'll vote for me because I got this rapper behind me. And it happens over and over and over again. And back to this this 28-year-old dead rapper, it's horrific. It's horrifying. It's terrible. But it's indicative of the state of that element of the culture. And you cannot divorce the culture from, you cannot divorce the culture that this man was made a multi-million dollar, multi-millionaire rapping about. You can't divorce that culture from how that man lost his life. And the more you continue to try to do that, the more you continue to, I mean, I don't know, are the anti-gun people going to blame gun violence for this? Is that, I wonder if that's, that's where they want to go. And, you know, there's all sorts of, out of respect for somebody that died, there's all sorts of, you know, like, you know, darkly comedic jokes, you know, you can tweet about it. You could say, oh, well, you know, there must not have been a gun-free zone sign at that bowling alley. It's like, you know, stuff like that too soon, but that's kind of what it is. And so you're going to hear a lot from a lot of other celebrities and a lot of other rappers, and they're going to cry, and they're going to say, oh, this is so sad. There's always gone too soon. They're going to tweet their condolences. They'll make videos. They'll do whatever. And you know what? Tomorrow, they're going to go right back to rapping about the same violence and the same cultural cancer that led to this rapper being shot dead at 28 years old. I don't know what the answer for all of it is, but you're going to see um, a lot of posturing and a lot of foolishness. And these same people, by the way, which if this person was shot dead by some white person, some white Trump's world, you would never hear anything about it. I mean, you wouldn't hear about anything else. But since this person was shot dead by somebody that looks like him, that was a part of the culture 
the cancerous culture that he has made millions and millions of dollars glorifying, you're not going to hear anything about it from that point. And that's probably the saddest thing about this entire situation. 